of observer, for example, writes a piece that tanks a stock inadvertently, I mean, is that a breach of the national security? You know, law. Where, and our businesses, where do we go? are Irish businesses raising concerns to you? Well, I think certainly the one thing that we've learned about one of the successes of the Irish kind of uh, business model is that we know that businesses like predictability. And we're in a period of extraordinarily unpredictability and uncertainty. And I think this is a key problem for us, you know. So a bit of clear signs, clear roadmaps as to where we're going, you know. And I think that's a certain challenge. And that's maybe bring us back to Brexit as well on that conversation is that, you know, you have that unpredictability about where we're going. And for Hong Kong businesses, you know, a landing place for them is Ireland. I mean, we are a common law country, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, I never thought I'd have to say we're a common law country with separation of powers but that's maybe a conversation for a different day but I think as an English speaking common law country I think um, Hong Kong businesses looking to Europe should certainly look to Ireland and just finally because we're running out of time but the EU has revised its extradition arrangements mm-hmm. with Hong Kong is Ireland looking at it as well? Uh, absolutely it's one of those issues that were put down on the council conclusions in July for, to look at so we've uh, initiated a review of our arrangements I know other European countries are doing the same uh, there's about a half dozen European countries in the in similar boat so I'd expect those uh, the conclusion of that review to happen in the coming uh, days weeks or months. David thanks very much for coming in good Thank to you talk Peter. to you that's David Costa Consul General of Ireland to Hong Kong and Macau. Your listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. Uh, very quickly on the markets, the ASX 200 in Australia is flat. So in fact, it's closed. That's why it's flat. Uh, the Nikkei 225 in Japan is up 0.1%. Looks like the Hang Seng is going to rise 100 points at the open. Thank you very much for listening today and this week. Do have a great weekend. Back chat with Hugh Chiverton and Danny Gittings is coming up next. The weather forecast, fine and dry. Maximum temperature of about 30 degrees. Going to be mainly fine and dry during the weekend as well. 24 degrees right now, 71% relative humidity. It's 8.32. Here's Samantha Butler with the Half Hour News. A medical expert says if the government focuses on high-risk venues such as care homes and prisons, it may not need to make COVID-19 testing mandatory, as there would probably be enthusiasm in those areas towards getting tested. There were 18 new coronavirus cases yesterday, the highest single-day figure since September the 20th, prompting the government to consider compulsory testing so it can devise better infection control measures. Professor Benjamin Cowling from the University of Hong Kong expects case numbers will creep up over the next week and says the government shouldn't leave it too late to tighten social distancing measures. Right now the focus has got to be on testing and tracing, doing a really good job of the contact tracing because that's disruptive to the people involved, maybe the people that go to quarantine, but it delays the need for social distancing for all of us in the community. But I do think we should expect social distancing measures to be put back in place within maybe two or three weeks. The aviation industry says only 44 people are believed to have contracted coronavirus while travelling on commercial flights this year. According to figures compiled by the International Air Transport Association, that's one case for every 27 million passengers. Here's the BBC's Theo Leggett. The figures compiled by IATA suggest that 1.2 billion people worldwide have travelled since the start of the year. They include more than 2,800 who were subsequently found to have COVID-19. However, only 44 people are believed to have actually contracted the disease in flight. IATA's findings were backed up by studies carried out by the aircraft makers Airbus, Boeing and Embraer. 
All three concluded that factors such as the rapid replacement of air on planes, high levels of filtration and the wearing of face coverings by passengers made the risk of infection very low. President Trump has rejected a plan to hold next Thursday's election debate in virtual format. Instead, he's agreed to hold a face-to-face -face with Joe Biden a week later. The Biden campaign had said it was important Mr. Trump was not able to evade accountability. Speaking to the Fox Business Network, Mr. Trump said he thought the virtual format would allow the moderator to cut him off. No, I'm not going to waste my time on a virtual debate. That's not what debating's all about. You sit behind a computer and do a debate. It's ridiculous. Mr. Biden reacted to the news on his way to a campaign event in Arizona. We don't know what the president's going to do. He changes his mind every second. So for me to comment on that now would be irresponsible. I think that if I'm going to follow the commission recommendation, if he goes off and he's going to have a rally, I'll, 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 I don't know what I'll do. You never know what's going to come out of his mouth. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Backchat. I'm Hugh Chivers and your co-host today is Danny Gittings. Danny, good morning to you. Good morning. Today we're talking about our green future. Next week the Chief Executive will deliver her policy address, a policy blueprint for the coming year and beyond. What do you think are the environmental issues that should be addressed? Electric cars, for example, use of alternative energy, greener buildings. What about our air quality? And what role could Hong Kong play in President Xi Jinping's initiative to reach carbon neutral? Neutrality for China by 2060. Let us know your thoughts, your questions and comments. Our Facebook page is Backchat and RTHK Radio 3. You can email us backchat at rthk.hk or you can call us. Our telephone number 233 uh, Just before we get to uh, today's topic, uh, some uh, other emails relating to discussion uh, yesterday, which was about Xinjiang. Uh, Chris says, I was expected to gain some insight of the research that came to a conclusion of China constructing concentration camps. But I was disappointed. From what I heard is seemingly Xinjiang is undergoing further development and urbanisation for stability. If my guessing is right, the research is an over-interpretation of political and economic intervention to cultures. Interventions aren't always evils, but I feel like I don't have enough information about re-education in Xinjiang. Mike says, Dear Backchat, you forgot to include Inner Mongolia in your list of China's happy, happy campers. Martin says, again, Backchat shows its biased reporting this time on Xinjiang. Alone, the choice of guests is telling, so-called experts who have not been to Xinjiang, keeping in mind that there are no restrictions on visiting Xinjiang except for journalists who will need to register. Then in the second part, most of the airtime is given to Nathan Rusa from the Australian Strategic Policy Institute, which in itself is rather ironic and makes me wonder why. Is it because Australia has lots of experience with offshoring their own concentration camps for asylum seekers while keeping the press out? Or is it because Aspie is basically responsible for formulating nearly all of Australia's current anti-China policy initiatives? While calling itself an independent think tank, Aspie in reality is nearly 100% funded by the American defence industry and staged with ex-intelligence people. Go figure. That is from Martin. And uh, Matthew says, in yesterday's discussions there were some suggestions by mainland university professor Mahoney 
and others that referring to the camps in Xinjiang as concentration camps was inaccurate and hyperbole. Uh, in fact, that is what they are. A concentration camp is not a death camp. Before they morphed into death camps, the camps that held Jewish people and other minorities last century were called concentration camps and were also supposedly for re-education. And he attaches a definition uh, from Webster's Dictionary, a place, a concentration camp, a place where large numbers of people, such as prisoners of war, political prisoners, refugees, or the members of an ethnic or religious minority are detained or confined under armed guard, uh, used especially in reference to camps created by the Nazis in World War II for the internment and persecution of Jews and other prisoners. That's, you know, so the definition from uh, Webster's Dictionary. Matthew, thank you very much indeed for that. Thank you to uh, all our correspondents. Our guests in the first half of the show this morning as we discuss environmental policy in uh, Hong Kong with uh, Kerry Lamb's policy address coming up next week. Uh, Edwin Lau, Executive Director of Green Earth. Albert Lai, CEO of Carbon Care Asia. And we'll be joined shortly by Patrick Fung, CEO of Clean Air Network. Uh, good morning. Hi, good morning, everyone. Uh, Ed- Hi, good morning. Good morning. Edward, Edwin Lau, let's go to you first. Okay. Um, what, do, what should Kerry Lamb be saying in her policy address next week on the environment? Here, as far as I can see, she didn't even mention the environment in her policy address last year. <laughs> uh, no matter, I mean, uh, how, how is the uh, uh, how, how is she thinking? How is the external environment? And the cities cannot be uh, going back to business as usual and, and ignore the environmental. I, I won't say it's a problem. Environmental crisis that we are. We are facing, uh, and, and we have experienced, like the super typhoon, the uh, the, the dry weather, the the droughts, and the super heat, and the I mean the uh, this year in July we have experienced the highest numbers of hot days and hot nights 
since the record began in Just, just uh, some uh, traffic information. Uh, because of an accident, part of the lanes of Tun Mun Road, uh, bus interchange uh, Kowloon bound are closed to traffic. Uh, that's very busy there. And also problems on the, the fast lane of the Island Eastern Corridor towards Central near North Point Police Station is closed to traffic. Uh, only, available, only remaining lanes available, and that's causing problems uh, in that area as well. Um, Ed- Edwin Lau, will you, just I mean, what's happening with the waste management, the way that that's being hung up um, in the Legislative Council, partly because of, it seems, because people are, are, don't want to pay the extra money and the legislators don't want to commit money, people, to you know, an extra uh, cost um, is that true for other areas that people, uh, the government and e- even the people of Hong Kong, are very reluctant, basically, to pay for a, for a greener future? Uh, I think this is the the uh, general sentiment that uh, no one wants to pay extra bucks to the, the government, especially these days. And but we have the legislature, the political party, and our government officials should really go out to community to explain to them that the charges is really helping you to change, to become having a, a more environmental friendly uh, habits and behavior, and that is beneficial to the environment and our, and our livelihood in the long run. I mean, just for example, the waste charging per household per month is roughly what the government has estimated uh, some time ago is uh, at, at, at most is about 50 Hong Kong dollars a month. So, I mean, if you go out to, to have a lunch, that, that is a similar cost. So it is not a big burden on most of the household in Hong Kong. So uh, don't take I know what you mean, I know what you mean, but don't put kind of people feel well. We've got enough going on. We've got political problems. We've got health problems. Um, you know, just uh, we don't want this as well on our plates. Yeah, and so the government should. I mean, they need to put uh, equal emphasis on all these uh, key pillars that support a city or a country to go sustainable development, which the free key pillar is the environmental pillar, social and economic. So no, not a single of the pillar can be missed so that uh, uh, then, then otherwise the equilibrium uh, will be on one side and, and not, not, equal, not, not equal then the sustainable development concept cannot be really uh, uh, rolled out 
perfectly or smoothly. Okay, uh, let's go to Albert Lai, Albert Lai, CEO of Carbon Care Asia. G good morning, Mr. Lai. Hi, good morning. What, what if anything, do you expect uh, from Kerry Lamb's policy address next week on in this area? Well, I think the first thing is that she should explain to uh, Hong Kong people why the government has delayed its promised announcements uh, for the low-carbon, long-term decarbon—sorry—for the long-term decarbonisation plan. Um, uh, you know, that's been promised to us uh, by end of last year. Now, because without this plan, actually Hong Kong is um, uh, in danger of uh, missing all the targets. And in particular, when China announces its um, uh, commitment uh, to turn to, 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 be, to become carbon neutral by 2016, I mean, Hong Kong is in a very poor shape. Uh, Does, in terms sorry. of our fulfilling our responsibility for decarbonisation. Does that commitment apply to Hong Kong when China announced it, or is it Hong Kong considered separate for the pur those purposes? Well, you've got to ask Carrie Lam. I mean, she's saying that Hong Kong, <laughs> you, know, you know, she's now emphasising in every turn that, you know, we should, we should focus on the mm -hmm. one country side of things, right? And follow national so this plans, is, This yes. is really one country. Uh, what are we doing? I mean, if China is, 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 is decarbonisation, is. Uh, 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 it's the economy quickly, and Hong Kong is not moving at all. Now, let me give you some figures on why uh, I'm so worried about um, uh, the targets. Um, at the moment, uh, the per capita uh, carbon emission for Hong Kong people is close to six tons uh, uh, per person. Um, whereas, um, if we look at the uh, uh, the analysis by C40, which is um, uh, you know an international alliance that Hong, Hong Kong is committed to, uh, as a developed city, Hong Kong should actually uh, go down to two tons per capita by 2030. Now, but if we only go according to Hong Kong's announced plan, we will only be able to achieve between 3.3 to 3.8 tons uh, per capita. So we are basically 78% uh, beyond uh, our target uh, by 2030. So, and, and then we have only 10 years to go, that's one. Now, the second uh, set of figures that's even more alarming is about renewable energy. Um, the government has announced a target uh, of achieving 3 to 4% of renewable energy by 2030. Whereas if you look around at, at, at the cities around us, I mean, even in China, Shenzhen has a target of 60%, Guang, Guangzhou has a target of 50%. So, I mean, uh, once you compare this, you would know that how poorly uh, Hong Kong is doing. So can, can I just, can I, sorry, just repeat that. So Hong Kong, our, tar our target for what year? Did you say 2030? 2030 is 3 to 4%. 3 to 4% and Shenzhen is 60%? 60% for the and same time. Is, uh, 50%. Well, that's a massive, massive difference, isn't it? It say? is, it is. Yeah, and, and, and the ironic thing is that we have a lot of potential um, for uh, uh, you know, going much f higher in terms of our renewable energy utilization. Now, I'll I just give you another study, just a very recent study by Harvard University, uh, jointly with uh, Hua Zhong University of Science based in Wuhan. Um, they published February this year. Now, they've studied uh, the potential for offshore wind energy along Chinese coast, from north to south, including Hong Kong, of course, and Guangdong coast. Now, and they discovered that um, the potential for offshore uh, uh, wind farms 
can supply between 36% to 200% of what we need, what the entire population, coastal population, population need uh, at a competitive price, right? So that means, you know, we can, we are talking competitive price, it's not just potential. Um, so therefore, uh, you know, what we need is actually to really step up uh, the uh, investment in this area, uh, because I mean, anyone in this area would know that, for example, I mean, the technology, I mean, the, the cost for offshore energy has decreased by about 60% in the last five years already. So, uh, if Hong Kong is not doing anything now, Hong Kong actually has two plans for offshore wind farm. Uh, that was 10 years ago. That was approved about 10 years ago, but there has, but the uh, government has never pressed the button uh, for doing that. Um, and therefore, we are only sitting here, you know, without any single bit of also wind farm. And this is a, a disgrace. OK, we're also joined by uh, Patrick Fung, who's CEO of Clean Air Network. Uh, good morning, Mr. Fung. And uh, the, the, the message we're hearing from our guests this morning is that Hong Kong is falling far behind the rest of China when it comes to um, uh, clean air initiatives. Is, is that something you would agree with? Uh, absolutely. When we talk about uh, electric public transport, say in Shenzhen, uh, 100% of the 16,000 uh, buses in Shenzhen were transformed to electric back in 2018 already. But in Hong Kong, uh, we are having uh, like 30-something electric buses, over 6,000 total. So uh, this is something that we should look at, um, uh, the electric public uh, transport area. Why are we doing so badly? I mean, I mean, why are we doing so badly by comparison with um, uh, cities like just across the border? Well, uh, a couple of things. Uh, first of all, uh, there's a national uh, platform in terms of uh, policy and resources uh, in China. There are 10 cities back in 2010 uh, that, are, that were in trial for electric uh, uh, vehicles. But in Hong Kong, uh, uh, we don't have a high-level uh, drive, uh, for example, from the financial secretary. There, there was a steering committee to promote the uh, use of uh, electric vehicles since uh, 2011. However, we don't see any impact uh, so far. So this is one thing. Second thing, um, as far as um, the local um, constraints, say uh, the operation model, financial model, as well as uh, we need to go up, uphill, uh, we, we need to tackle, you know, all the uh, subtropical uh, climate. Um, Hong Kong was not doing good enough in terms of the trial of the electric bus. So these two areas should be improved. Sounds like you're saying we'd be better off joining the national plan in this area. Well, um, well, in that case, if there were um, additional resources provided by the uh, government, um, I, I mean the Hong Kong SNL government, that might help to uh, overcome some of the barriers, say the financial barrier of the uh, bus operator initially. So when, when they try to uh, invest more to buy new buses, uh, there will usually be a, a gap between the diesel buses they are having right now and the electric, you know, cleaner zero emission buses uh, uh, for uh, cleaner alternatives. So these gap, who are going to um, uh, fill the gap? If it's not from the passenger, if it's not from the bus operator, then maybe the government should consider to subsidize this. Uh, let's go back to Edwin Lau, Edwin Lau from uh, Green Earth. Um, the, the message we're hearing here is, is that um, actually, and this, this is an area where closer cooperation with China would be beneficial. Is that what, do you agree? Uh, certainly, in certain aspects, such as our uh, development of the uh, renewable energy, 
as what Albert just mentioned, that uh, we in Hong Kong, of course, we have the local power company who has uh, who have proposed the wind farm, offshore wind farm uh, in Hong Kong waters. But we can also expand beyond our boundary to develop uh, offshore wind farms, uh, 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 say in the Greater Bay areas. So this is, I mean, a joint cooperation with the the mainland business. And in terms of waste management, I mean, China uh, has said that actually they have stopped the importing of uh, foreign waste since the beginning of 2018. Now, our waste uh, recyclable uh, has been sent to the mainland China mainly for reprocessing. Now, we cannot uh, do this as before. Now, we should have better cooperation with the uh, uh, mainland's uh, counterparts that we can have the system to have clean, well-separate, recyclable, and sent to China for processing in proper fashion, not in those uh, uh, cowboy yards. I mean, it's really proper factory that we will not have secondary pollution. So with proper control, proper logistic and management, our waste, we don't treat it as waste. It is a, a resources that could be turned into raw material for the manufacturing hub in mainland China. It is actually, it is like, it is like business cooperation. Don't treat it as a, 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 a transshipment of, uh, of waste. But there are there are some illegal uh, act in, in doing that, but we should stop those and then have proper transparent panel to allow properly uh, separated, clean, recyclable to be having a good channel to 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 uh, to let it process. And and Hong Kong, we we you don't have the land as large as the mainland in Great Bay area to have built a large scale factory to process say our uh, paper, plastic, and, and other waste materials. So there are many opportunities that Hong Kong can cooperate uh, in, in the business sense okay. with the million counterparts. Patrick Fung, um, what do you think about the the, the government's just released a, a roadmap on the popularisation of electric vehicles, basically talking about uh, what they've done so far, what they'll be doing in the future when it comes to this. And of course, we've had that sort of, we had the weird stop-start um, kind of policy where, um, you know, Teslas and other electric cars, they were exempt from first registration tax. And then the government decided that that tilted in favour of them and, uh, quote, undermined the popularisation of a wide range of uh, EV vehicles. I think they're also worried about the sheer number of cars on the road. So they said to strike a balance, they, were, they removed that. They had a one-for-one replacement scheme. Uh, there was still uh, exemption for commercial vehicles and so on. How is that going? Uh, because, you know, we, we seem to be doing very well when it came to electric vehicles and that um, Teslas were very popular. You saw them all over town. Uh, and then the government sort of stepped back. So what's the, what's the state of play at the moment? I, I think um, multi-layered to look at these uh, issues. First of all, when we talk about um, uh, vehicle emission, uh, the majority comes from the commercial vehicles. Uh, but I uh, understand that uh, we're talking about, uh, you know, private vehicle um, uh, financial policy now. And, um, well, there, there is actually a, a weird, you know, uh, stop and 
you know, uh, restart uh, from the financial um, um, uh, policy. Well, that may uh, give uh, the market a, um, you know, a false signal on how uh, Hong Kong government would envision Hong Kong to become. Uh, well, I, I think back in uh, 2016, when uh, Elon Musk uh, visited Hong Kong, uh, it was um, term, there was a term to call Hong Kong a Beijing city to demonstrate how uh, EV, especially the private vehicle, could be adopted in a compact city like Hong Kong. Uh, however, that sort of momentum has been uh, stopped, as, as you mentioned, due to the, uh, you know, all kinds of uh, financial uh, policies. Uh, we're not sure what would happen if the um, uh, EV roadmap to be announced by Paul Chan uh, in quarter one next year. Uh, we hope there would be a consistency. Uh, in addition, there should be a long-term uh, vision to let uh, Hong Kong, as well as the international market, to understand that um, where Hong Kong would, uh, uh, should uh, position itself. And um, if I may, I, I would also uh, talk about uh, the commercial vehicle sector. So there has not been uh, sufficient uh, policy to boost uh, the transformation of, for example, public transport, the trucks and lorries, and even the motorcycle uh, from uh, diesel uh, uh, to uh, electric or uh, hydrogen. So on this front, when we look at Shenzhen or even Foshan in, in uh, mainland China or, or other uh, Asian cities, say Japan, Tokyo, they have set a target by 2013, there will be 300 um, uh, electric buses. For Singapore, they have set a target for 2040, there will be all um, uh, zero emission uh, uh, vehicles on the road. So this is the kind of the thing we are expecting uh, to be seen in the next, I mean, in the first uh, EV roadmap to be announced by the financial sector. Okay. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll uh, see about that. Uh, in the meantime, Patrick Fong, CEO of uh, Clean Air Network, thank you very much indeed for joining us. Thank you also to Albert Lai, who's uh, CEO of Carbon Care Asia. Uh, we're going to continue the discussion. also going to be joined by uh, Friends of the Earth after the news uh, at 9 o'clock. If you want to uh, ask questions or comment on any of those aspects we've been uh, talking about, about air pollution, about uh, air quality, waste management, carbon neutrality, uh, give us a call, 233-88266. We'd love to hear from you. The weather forecast for today, it's going to be fine and dry. The maximum temperature about 30 degrees. The outlook mainly fine and dry during the weekend. The wind strengthening gradually with rain early to midweek next week. 25 degrees now. Humidity is at 67%. And I think the most pressure they feel is when they are on stage with each other. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Welcome back. This is uh, Back Chat on a Friday morning with Danny Gittings and me, Hugh Chiverton, continuing to talk about our green future, looking ahead to the uh, policy address uh, next week, which will be delivered... Um supposedly, uh, next week, one way or another. Um, the, the the latest uh, situation we have, by the way, is that uh, there won't be any uh, phone-in, uh, which has been... How long sort have those phone-ins been running? Uh, for about 20 years or something, I think. And even, um, it's worth pointing out, even last year it went ahead, although, of course, it wasn't Kerry Lam, but... Uh, well, Matthew Chung um, stepped in because Kerry Lam was busy. Uh, but still, the, the phone-ins and all, all the, the normal things that held off the policy address did, did happen last year, didn't they? They, they did. Uh, and um, so as far as I know, and this applies not just to the English language, but also to the Chinese Yes, I mean, for, for our listeners here, of course, because RTHK is the only English radio station, it's easy to think it's RTHK, but of course this, this originates from doing it for all, all stations in Chinese. Yeah, so my understanding, as I say, at, at the moment is that um, there won't be any phone-in, there won't be any chance for... 
uh, people to talk in Chinese or in English to the to, to the chief executive or even to um, the chief secretary. Uh, back chat will still be here covering the policy address. We'll still be here moaning. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I don't mean that. Two three three eight eight two six six is uh, is the number on on today's uh, topic. Uh, MT says the Hong Kong government are civil servants, not politicians, and always seek consensus. This is not possible. There'll always be those that are negatively affected. Decisions need to be made for the benefit of all. That is what true politicians do. Improving the environment costs. The government must provide funds to support industries and reduce deep departmental conflicts and overlaps. That is from uh, MT. Jay says, you can't go green unless the government is on board. And ever since CY Leung and Carrie Lam have been in power with their construction projects, all we've seen is fly tipping and rubbish around the new territories. Green sites ripped up into construction sites. As far as the cycle track goes with hundreds of tr- I've seen hundreds of trees being ripped up but very few put back as far as cars we don't need them if the government let everyone have electric bicycles and electric scooters this would be so much more practical even for the necessities like the post the gas bottles and many other simple delivery services and also the mothers could take the kids to school instead of using their cars serious redesigning of waste bins and garbage bins serious changes in construction legislation so that people who have compulsory orders on stupid things in buildings that are irrelevant do not have to replace them creating more construction waste. What we need is job creation, solar panel factories uh, in Hong Kong. Some thoughts and suggestions there uh, from uh, Jay. Alan says, uh, back chat, excuse my scepticism, but until we see some real results, not just slogans and let's join hands ads, government commitment to being green is mostly PR, greenwash. A couple of specifics. Recycling, plastic waste. We all know that the collection of separated waste is a joke, that most of it ends up in the landfill because the contractors have no incentive to do otherwise. Nothing is done to discourage the sale of plastic one-use containers to, for example, install drinking fountains in public places to reduce the huge number of plastic water bottles sold. Transport. Billions are spent to build new road infrastructure to encourage more traffic. The Macau Bridge with no railway to encourage more heavy mainland lorries polluting our air. No congestion charges, total hostility to the idea of bicycles as transport. Construction, no standards for home insulation. Hong Kong homes must have aircon blasting nine months and heaters three months. All the policies and budget priorities are totally ungreen. That is from Alan, bankchat.rthk.hk, our address. We're now joined by Wendell Chan. Wendell Chan is a policy research and advocacy officer for Friends of the Earth Hong Kong, and we still have Edwin Lau, executive director of Green Earth, with us. Uh, Mr. Chan, good morning. Welcome to Back Chat. Wendell Chan? Hello. Hi, good morning. Welcome to Back Chat. Uh, the, uh, next, next week is the uh, policy address. And last, week, last year, Carrie Lam didn't even mention environmental initiatives in her policy address. Do you have any expectations for, for next week's address? Uh, not really, to be honest. Uh, but we did. Well, even though we don't really have too much expectation, we do see that they did do something over the course of the time, like the EV roadmap that they announced um, quite a few months ago, and some some of the things like the cycling tracks uh, that's been open recently. But of course, we do hope that we do hope that they do mention a bit at least about climate change and uh, maybe about the waste management, such as like the municipal solid waste charging scheme. Like, what's what's the progress on that? And maybe, we, of course, we also need uh, want to talk about air pollution because all three of these things are very critical to Hong Kong right now. So we do hope that they do mention it at least a bit. 
Isn't the air pollution getting a bit better this year with all these prolonged uh, lockdowns? Well, some, somewhat, yes, but of course, just like the uh, greenhouse gas emissions, even though it, uh, it has uh, gone down a bit because of the lockdown, it's going to resume once every, once uh, Hong Kong goes back in, uh, back into business as usual if we don't do anything to address the problem. And a consistent theme of the, the programme this morning and from our, from our guests in the first half is that we're falling a long way behind China in all of these areas. Yes, uh, that's certainly one of the problems. We've, we're, we've been taking a very back-seated uh, role in terms of, uh, in terms of uh, environmental policies. Uh, a lot of our policies, such as uh, uh, the one I've already mentioned, the municipal solid waste charging scheme, the producers' responsibility schemes on like, uh, plastic bottles or like... Yeah, packaging waste, all of these things have been delayed along for such a long time that we have been behind many international cities and even behind China now. So I don't, I don't know what they're trying to do now. Okay, and uh, one of our listeners was mentioning about recy- recycling and the fact that um, the, the, there's still very little recycling in practice in Hong Kong. Yes, um, especially now that uh, China is going to be uh, banning all imported waste uh, next year I don't know what Hong Kong will do I, I, I want Hong Kong to develop a circular economy to, to start developing a, a good local recycling industry for for us to uh, recycle our own waste but right now I'm, I'm not seeing any progress on the government side to push uh, push this forward So is it possible we'll see actually less recycling rather than more because once you can't, you can't send the waste to China for processing uh, it will become even more uneconomic to do so I do anticipate uh, that, that kind of problem. Uh, we already see how other other cities have tried to tackle it by sending these waste to other countries. But those uh, countries like Thailand or uh, Vietnam, they've, they've been trying to ban uh, in, the import of waste as well. So uh, all those cities are having trouble dealing with recycling. And so I, I just anticipate this problem with Hong Kong as well. So uh, the, the government needs to tackle this issue very ur- urgently. Yeah, of course, there's, there are other issues that are topping the agenda at the moment, especially the public health ones uh, in Hong Kong and, of course, uh, uh, around the world. Have they sort of lowered the importance of, uh, of uh, green issues? I'm just thinking there was also a kind of period, maybe near the beginning, when people were talking about um, this being a kind of opportunity for a fresh start and there were sort of, you know, those videos of dolphins in Venice and, and, and so on, and people thinking that this was, you know, a chance for a, a, a new approach. Perhaps those have, have faded away a little bit. How do you think COVID has affected thinking on environmental issues in Hong Kong and around the world? Mm, I think a lot of people have been, uh, well, I think a lot of people have been focused on how to recover uh, the, from COVID-19 right now. But I do think it's an, uh, a kind of rare opportunity that we could use this uh, time to to provide like uh, green stimulus. Uh, we saw these uh, proposals in Canada and even in Europe. They try they want to have uh, attach green strings to stimulus measures, so that when uh, we provide these subsidies for uh, economic recovery, uh, these companies or businesses will also have to uh, set up green targets, such as like uh, uh, emission targets to for or decarbonization targets, so that. Even when we're trying to recover, we don't just return to business as usual. We try to aim for a greener economy. But but is that likely? Because I mean, they they would be their dream of having business as usual. A lot of them, wouldn't they? Um, you know, they're hoping for anything they can get. 
Yes. Uh, and, and, you know, green things look like a bit like a luxury. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. How, how about some of the side effects of COVID? I mean, uh, millions of um, fa- face masks being disposed of every day, uh, drinking fountains being closed because of hygiene issues, a sort, of a, a sort of resurgence of use of plastics. Yes, we do, want, we do hope that the government would try to push for better measures. Like, instead of having people... If, if people have to use face masks, why not try to take other measures, such as encouraging more people to work from home? There's a, there are softer measures that we could try to, uh, t- uh, try to apply instead of trying to have people to try to return, return to business as usual. But at the, at the same time, we still have this ongoing pandem- uh, e- e- pandemic, so people still have to wear face masks, still have to... Uh, are still worried about uh, all these hygiene issues. Uh, let's, so, bring, yeah. yes, let's bring Edwin Lau back in on that, on, on the impact of COVID-19. Uh, Edwin Lau, as I just mentioned, I mean, COVID-19 <coughs> and the measures against it can have all kinds of negative effects on the environment, not just the face masks. As I said, um, um, it's, it's getting much more difficult to use um, reusable bottles when water fountains have to be closed. Yeah. And now uh, we should look at the uh, actual example here in Hong Kong, that is happening now uh, the, the one of the major uh, coffee shop chain that they encourage the customer to bring in their uh, reusable uh, cup mm. to buy coffee now, this is there's only one chain uh, coffee uh, chain they have done this really in addressing uh, the, the disposable plastic waste issues amid the COVID-19 so they are big international change, so don't think that uh, we can uh, sacrifice environmental protection in light of uh, protecting public health. There, is, there, there isn't a thing like this. You can do this mutually. They are, can do it together if one can take better measures, uh, better I mean, control. So this is one good example. And when you uh, look at the, the uh, other countries that they also encourage the use of reusable masks by the public. So not single-use face masks is not the only option. How so, many people use I mean, the government distributed those reusable masks, and I've seen Kerry Lamb and maybe two other people wearing them. That's it. I mean, um, no. al- almost nobody uses them, and those who, the very few who do say they're incredibly uncomfortable. Now, the government should... You're probably, you're probably not, sorry, Edwin, but you're probably not wearing one yourself, or maybe you are. I am wearing a reusable okay, mask okay. whenever <laughs> I, I, I go out. Uh, but I'm sure many of your friends don't. <laughs> so, but this needs the government to really to promote and to educate that. Now, you always put, now the uh, single-use uh, mask is really uh, layers of plastic. You always keep in close contact with plastic, you think. Is it really good for your health? Uh, you, you have to think. And and, and, and our, I mean, um, uh, the, the, the responsibility of whenever you finish using your mask, don't leave it in the nature. Don't leave it on the countryside. Bring it back to your home and, and put it in properly in, in, in your garbage bin. So that will not create secondary pollution or uh, affecting the wildlife. And actually, I mean, uh, animals, uh, sea creatures were tangled by these uh, strains of the from the face mask, which is really uh, harming the the the, the nature, which is really bad. Uh, 
and I mean Hong Kong government officials, KLM, should not put their heads in the sand and look at what other countries, especially the the European country, how they have committed to have a green deal to uh, revive their economy, uh, focusing on carbon neutrality, a very clear focus for them to develop renewable energy, uh, zero carbon transport. That transport means both public and private transport, public cars and also buses and all that now. Uh, in terms of uh, energy and waste, they are all can be converted. Uh, the food waste that we generate over 3,500 tons a day, actually in other places, they recover the energy from the food waste to have biofuel, the biodiesel that is very, very low in carbon content. They supply to the bus free to use so that they they are emitting much less carbon. And even if you can say the government say that because Hong Kong is really hilly and then for the uh, electric uh, buses, they are not powerful enough to climb up our, our, our slope, our hills. So that, okay, uh, I, I somehow can accept this at this very moment, but you can still use other types of fuels that has low carbon content, such as the uh, second generation uh, bio uh, But in this needs the government to have an agreement with the franchise bus company implement if the government, I mean, uh, late uh, stencil did not do anything to to uh, amend or to include a clause in the uh, agreement, then of course the bus company will, will not uh, uh, simply pay more money to, to buy a biofuel cleaner fuel, which is somehow a little bit more costly than the conventional uh, diesel that they are using now. Okay. Couple of couple of issues, a couple of trends that I just like some more information on. Um, one is um, maybe Edwin Lau. First of all, um, is, is it is it greener if people work from home? Uh, if because you know they're not going by transport, but I guess they're using their computers uh, and so on. Uh, if more people work from home, would there be? Uh, would that be would that be good for the environment? Would that be a plus? Uh, uh, we need some get need to get some. Uh, 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 important relevant data to analyze. I cannot say right at this moment that it is uh, totally greener when they help. But one uh, good thing is uh, amid the COVID-19 uh, uh, I mean uh, uh, things that staying at home to work from home is a way to safeguard public health. This is the on the plus point. And then now you can see when we are not working in the office or Many people were working at home, so they would uh, say in some time to turn on their uh, aircon at home and turn on the light and, and things that instead of in office. So somehow office may not be totally closed down. Part of people will stay in, in the office uh, block, so that aircon will be still turned on in the office. And then at home, you still turn on aircon. Now, my experience is, is that uh, this year, uh, I have used more uh, electricity than uh, last year uh, for the same period because uh, 
I oh, you mean at home? At your I home. work at home yeah. more, and then not just myself, my uh, my son, my wife also work at home, so that mm. we spend more time at home. But the good thing is the travel that we reduce our travel uh, uh, to office to back and forth, so that it will reduce the traffic congestion. We will rely less on the uh, use the transport. That will have a bit of uh, improvement in the in the uh, traffic related emissions. So we need to get government to show us uh, relevant data so that we need to get, give a uh, careful analysis to strike the balance. The, the other trend I was, I was also kind of interested in, perhaps Wendell Chan, you might want to talk about this, is um, the growing popularity of vegetarian and vegan uh, diets. You see a lot of kind of international chains introducing, uh, you know, vegan, vegeta- vegetarian uh, items, um, e- even if it hasn't got that much penetration in Hong Kong. There is certainly a, a trend that way. Um, wh- why do you think that's happening? Is that good for the environment? I think most of these uh, start from uh, from issues such as animal cruelty and sometimes uh, from uh, uh, for for health reasons. I I do I do find it uh, find it good that they're starting to uh, be start, like we're starting to see vegetarianism be more popular um, as a way to to find to have a best uh, to have a better health and all these things. Um, I think very few people think about from trying to like uh, reduce the carbon footprint and stuff like that. Because um, aside from vegetarianism, there's also other other like alternative uh, sources of uh, diets, such as maybe even constrained eating insects. These are very like high protein but very low carbon footprint uh, diets that we could also consider as well. But I think most people will be squeamish about eating insects, right? Are you, oh, sorry, are you suggesting we should eat insects to reduce our carbon footprint? Yes, that's certainly one of the ways because uh, insects cost a lot less carbon on, and even water. Uh, to grow compared to, say, a, uh, a cow or a, uh, or a pig. Well, there you are. That's the, the sign of a really committed environmentalist who will switch to an insect diet. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, so, so, you're brave enough. <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, some uh, more uh, emails. Uh, James, with the subject line, Green Future, says, Morning, there are enormous employment opportunities at all levels of skills in pursuing green objectives, even for retraining middle-aged people from outdated jobs. But are there courses at VTC level all the way through to university? I have no sense there is any coordination, once again led by government, between industry's needs and educational and training institutes, just dictums of targets, no vision. Most courses uh, would be two to four years, so not different difficult to start now and have the skilled personnel soon. And of course, there should be greater government and corporate support to green research. Surely a smart city is not just about living a wireless life. Uh, that comes uh, from James. Um, any comment on that, Edward Lau? Uh, yes, that, that is a good uh, suggestion to our government that uh, our, uh, our workforce, uh, we can have part of that turn into green workforce. What I mean, uh, our previous uh, chief executive, Mr. Tong, had one uh, uh, advocate is the uh, green industry in Hong Kong to be developed, but uh, it is just <laughs> a, a slogan, but there's no real concrete things to turn our industry into really green industry. Now, there are actually at least two to three areas we can have green industry. One is the waste management. A lot of opportunity in turning our way 
waste to resources and to energy. This is one part. And then the second thing is the our uh, low carbon uh, power supply that we can have uh, uh, the uh, faster development of, say, solar energy in Hong Kong for rooftop, for on, on, on top of the surface of reservoirs, and on top of uh, footbridge, and then offshore wind uh, power development by the power companies. And the third thing is our zero carbon uh, green transport. I, I won't say it, is, it should be purely electrical battery uh, driven. This is one option. And we, we can also use uh, zero carbon hydrogen as a source of fuel for powering big vehicles and also... Which, where do you get the hydrogen from? Now, hydrogen, say you can import it, say, from uh, across the border. Now, the hydrogen, if this is uh, uh, manufacturing by uh, renewable energy, by wind farm or by solar, then the hydrogen itself, the production, is zero carbon. And when you burn the hydrogen as a fuel for, uh, for powering vehicles, it emits only uh, uh, water vapor, and it doesn't emit any carbon. So this is a zero carbon uh, energy. So also there are the hydrogen fuel cells that uh, different large uh, auto uh, uh, manufacturers, they have developed, and it is uh, some sort of proven technology they can use of, uh, using a, uh, and different types of uh, transport. So all these can develop Hong Kong into a hub of green industry that attract talents and then we can retrain our workforce, part of them, to become green color. Now we have white color, we have blue color, we should have green color to work on this and then to help Hong Kong to uh, move along the sustainability path and then we can have uh, generate green income and pay green dividends for the entire society. So it sounds wonderful, but as we said the, earlier, the reality is the, the, the opposite. Uh, Hong Kong's not a hub at all for these things. If any, if there's any hub, it's across the border in Shenzhen. <laughs> but uh, this is really needs our top government officials and carry them to drive it. And then if they don't uh, come out to a set uh, target, set a, a, a strategic plan and to, with strong political will to drive it, nothing will happen. It's just become, I mean, empty talks. Hmm. Okay, some more comments. Uh, Dave says, uh, government paperwork and legislation is a very big problem, money and time-wise. Example, solar panels on roofs or walls. You have to conform to government ways. Uh, cars, if you change the specification, importation rules, and uses, example, uh, electric vehicles. That's uh, from Dave. Um, and... Uh, he also says it was found that when uh, plastic bags were replaced by environmental cloth bags, there was even more waste uh, and pollution uh, produced. Uh, and uh, also, we, he says, we know the government is hell-bent on construction projects because it keeps the money rolling at the top end. But if you stopped all white elephant projects and the government became hell-bent on sewage plants or gas plants, hydrogen plants, solar plants, wind power farms, uh, we would then import brains with money from all over the world and Hong Kong could revitalise itself and start living again. That comes uh, from Jay. I suppose, Wendell Chan, yeah, you can, you could... That's a 
kind of way to rebrand or give Hong Kong a little brush up our image a little bit, I guess. And and even, you know, if we uh, do sort of join, like, national initiatives like the 2060 target for reducing or eliminating carbon emissions, then uh, we could perhaps, you know, strengthen the one country in a kind of in a positive kind of way and um, use a little bit of that soft power. Possibly. I mean, like, Hong Kong, we did, uh, the government did announce that they want to turn Hong Kong into the innovation, like a technology and innovation hub. So I think, like, these uh, solar farms and even, like, offshore wind farm projects are very, like, uh, are very uh, critical or even, like, useful projects to show that Hong Kong, yes, Hong Kong is moving towards it um, as is moving towards it, uh, as an international player in, in terms of uh, repositioning itself as not just a financial center but also an in a, uh, R&D hub or, or like uh, to push for science, uh, the scientific aspects of it. So I think uh, if instead of just trying to uh, push projects such as like the land hub, uh, land hub to more vision, uh, we push for uh, we push towards greener projects such as uh, solar more solar farms, wind farms, or even like. Um, which caused those, uh, sorry, I just can't remember uh, the name of these things all of a sudden. But if we push towards those uh, greener projects, I think that's a way for, for Hong Kong to show, uh, reposition itself and to show itself that, yes, we're actually serious uh, about turning the city to, into a greener, a greener society. Okay, well, Wendell Chan, thank you very much indeed for joining us, Policy Research and Advocacy Officer, uh, Advocacy Officer at uh, Friends of the Earth, Hong Kong. Thank you to Edwin Lau, Executive Director of uh, Green Earth. We were also speaking earlier to uh, Albert Lai from uh, Carbon Care Asia and from the Clean Air Network, Patrick Fung. That's it for us for this week, uh, back at 8.30 uh, on uh, Monday, the week of the uh, policy address. Uh, unfortunately, as I say, there won't be, a, as far as we know, there won't be any uh, phone-in uh, opportunity to talk to the uh, Chief Executive, but we'll do what we can to uh, give you a venue to uh, express your views uh, as ever. A policy address uh, due on Wednesday. The weather now, before we leave you, it's going to be fine and dry today. The maximum temperature about 30 degrees. And then the outlook over the weekend mainly fine and dry and then winds will strengthen gradually with a little bit of rain early to the middle of next week 25 degrees the latest readings and the relative humidity is at 67 percent our hands often touch public items covered with viruses and bacteria when we touch our eyes nose or mouth the pathogens can enter the body health is in our hands to prevent infection Follow the seven hand cleaning steps. Rub hands for 20 seconds. Rinse thoroughly. Dry with a clean cloth or paper towel. If you can't wash your hands and they aren't visibly soiled, use an alcohol-based hand rub. What if our hands get dirty again? Clean them properly. 931, the news now with Samantha Butler. Social welfare sector lawmaker Xiu Ka-chun says there should be mandatory COVID-19 testing on residents and staff at care homes as they're in a high-risk sector. Of the 18 confirmed cases reported yesterday, 11 were residents of a disabled facility. The Democratic governor of the U.S. state of Michigan has accused President Trump of encouraging right-wing militia groups after 13 men were charged with an alleged plot to kidnap her. Gresham Whitmer said when leaders fraternize with domestic terrorists, they legitimize their actions. And President Trump has rejected a plan to hold next Thursday's election debate in virtual format, saying it will be a waste of time and the moderator will be able to cut him off. Instead, he's agreed to hold a face-to-face with Joe Biden a week later.
I'll have more news at 10 o'clock. Stand by for the brew. Uh, sociology prof from the University of Set and Costume Designer, great interpreter of Beethoven, as well as oh shy, quiet, and retiring doggy counts, co founder of Rockefeller Records. Hello. This is a really for adults, it's not really for kids. Good morning. Yeah, well, it's fun, you know. Decipher what's happening behind the myth. Good morning. In depth interviews and also observations. Absolutely no way. On your radio and live online, this is The Morning Brew. Yep, and welcome to Friday here on The Morning Brew. I'm Phil Whelan at 10.10 today. We're talking instead of cooking. Going to welcome back one of the world's officially most travelled people, Tor Pedersen. Once Upon a Saga is his page. Now, you may remember, this guy's goal was to visit every country in the world, but his plans were curtailed somewhat, well, for obvious reasons this year, leaving him stranded in Hong Kong. Well, as it turns out, he was hardly stranded. He's been tackling Hong Kong's toughest hiking challenges one by one. I think I'll do the Wilson Trail today, and that's all before breakfast. Tomorrow marks seven years since Tor left Denmark to embark on the journey of a lifetime, and he's going to give you three guesses as to what he's going to be doing tomorrow. 11.10, it's more sports and all with Danny Hicks. And after 12, we're off to the movies with critic James Marsh. Today, the boys in the band, Honest Thief, The Banker, and more. Join us on Facebook Live if you can, on and off throughout the morning. Morning Brew is the page. Sapphire in him 